Hello and welcome to the 250, the podcast where I am your boss. I'm Douglas and with me as always is my co-host, Jonathan. How are you, Jonathan? I'm good. I'm your boss, Jonathan. You're not my boss. <laughs> it was really a flip of the this coin. This is a co-partnership. This, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. If this is your first time tuning into the 250, we have taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020 and have begun watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, thoughts and reactions to the movies within today's movie, number 221, Hotel Rwanda. Paul Rusesa Bagina is the floor manager at the Hotel de Mille Colleen in Kigali, Rwanda. After tensions rise between the Tutsi and Hutu ethnic groups and mass killings begin on the streets, Paul takes it upon himself to defend over a thousand refugees until help arrives. Uh, this film was directed by Terry George, who is known for In the Name of the Father and Some Mother's Son, and was written by Kia Pearson, who is known for uh, the tracks uh, and Cesar Chavez. Is that, I is think that something correct? like that. That looks correct, yeah. Um, and as, as well as uh, Terry George. So written and directed by Terry George. Mm. Um, neither Jonathan nor I have watched this film before, and uh, I would like to—I'd like to just open by saying that I am incredibly enlightened by uh, some of the more recent films that we've been doing. I think just um, the—it it goes to show that, like, I mean, this is the most milk toast observation <laughs> I could probably make, but like, there's so much that you can learn from cinema like so many films that like give you real world um knowledge you know and then they make you want to find out more about these events and things like that and this is definitely one of those ones spotlight was the other one the other big one for me um but yeah this is like right up there with that level of like real world um present event that happened and seemingly got swept under the rug but it's yeah good to actually hear about it it makes um these subjects a bit more accessible to an everyday audience because because you could have and there are um what are they called uh documentaries about about this kind of content but having it on the big screen is gonna kind of bring more people in and totally yeah yep yeah this is not something i would (laughs) have I would have found out about it, if not for this film, probably. I yeah, mm. I probably wouldn't want to know much about it anyway. But because um. <laughs> it is rather depressing, yes, which is on on brand with the Jonathan meter of uh, uh, is it depressing? Let's not do it. <laughs> <laughs> I I wrangled this one better than some of the more depressing ones we've had in the past. Um, okay. Wow, maybe your maybe your meter for depressing films is slowly uh, easing. Maybe I think I think the the film is um, yeah like accessible enough. I think it does a good enough job of kind of pull, like being a film that is like engaging first and foremost. Um, I think it does a really good job of that. So maybe that was doing a lot of the heavy lifting. I guess I don't know. Mm. Mm. Um, Still very depressing. The, I, I mentioned many times before, the last three films thought they'd be depressing. The content was depressing, but the film was okay. This film thought it'd be depressing, and then it was way worse. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I think uh, I I constantly try and think about uh, now that we're kind of we're getting more and more into the bulk of the the two fifty. I'm kind of trying to think, why are these films here? What is the purpose of this film being in the 250? What is its... Why is it in the list? And I think for this film, it's the actual context of the plot and the script and the um, the the relevance behind that, the, the real-world um, implications of this story are very important. And I think that that's why it's on the list. I don't think this film does anything too spectacular cinematography, score-wise. There's nothing, in my opinion, really mind-blowing here. But the general story itself and the idea that it needs to be told, I think is why it gets its spot on the list. I think there are a couple of really good um, like filmmaking like decisions for scenes that were used... Um, and the way that kind of the events were portrayed uh, was, like, really well done. Um, I, I've got some notes. We'll talk about okay. them later. Ooh, um, yeah, discussion. But, yeah, um, I, 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 this isn't really a spoiler. The film is about the Rwandan genocide that happened in 94. Um, yeah. And it's probably why I still found it, a you know, well, it's a bummer. And I think if you were to tone it down at all you would be being inaccurate to the content. You would be being disingenuous. Yeah. Yep. A million people were murdered in the streets of Rwanda. Like you can't yeah. you can't dumb that down and neither should you. So it's mm. and and when you keep that in mind, it's just like they were true to that. And I still watched the whole thing through. I was uncomfortable, but I wasn't miserable. Uh, and that's yeah. the difference between some of the, the earlier films like um like Algiers um, I think there was... Yes, yeah. I think this film has an amazing use of tension instead of just, like, overwhelming dread just bearing down on you at all times. It's... it's There's dread, but there's also a lot of tension used in very smart ways. And I think uh, that's kind of probably partly just because they've designated a main character and you care about him and his family and his, you know, his goals... Um, so, yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. The, the story itself does lend itself to the big screen. You know, the idea of, um, yeah, this floor manager at the hotel, um, kind of amongst the madness, amongst the, Mm. the chaos is a very, it's a very good center point and a, a focal point for, uh, to, yeah, then translate that onto screen. It does, it, it bounces off the pages. It's a, it's an incredible story and it, yeah, it super lends itself to being adapted. Like this, this guy who used his wits and his, you know, kind of savviness with, with his people skills and just his, his morals of like, I'm not letting anyone die to save all these people Mm. is, Mm. It, yeah, it's um, it's unreal. It's trying to save bloodshed. It's a no it's a film is, script. Yeah. It's a film script. You know, yeah. to yeah. to have a character like that. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I yeah. Would you recommend this film, Jonathan? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded very tentative. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was still pretty miserable, and there's some pretty yeah. gnarly shit in it. Um, mm. so. You know, uh, not a date movie. No, 
<laughs> Definitely not. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would... Uh, I, I'd agree. I'd tentatively recommend Hotel Rwanda purely for the sake of, I think, actually being knowledgeable on that actual moment in history, mm. the actual events, mm. I think is very important. Um, I think I think history in general is very important. The, the, the older and older I'm getting, the more and more I'm getting interested in history. Um, across the world, really, I don't really have any like you know, <laughs> Egyptian history, Greek history. You know, I'm not I'm not really honing in anywhere. Yeah. I'm just kind of like history as a rule is very interesting, and I think we um, should be more aware of the events that have come before um, and just be yeah aware. Um, so I would yeah I'd recommend this film, but having said that, I'm not going to watch it again. No, um, no, I'm now knowledgeable on the events that happened in Rwanda in 94 and I think that yeah having seen that I'm like that's an experience I've happily seen the film and I'm happy to put that one in the back pocket and go you know what boom that's one for the diary baby (laughs) I feel like um because like you know like rating systems in in film critique and you know media critique um like numbered systems or whatever are generally so yep. reductive that that mm. they're like you, you know people will skip the review hear the number type thing and they'll put more value on the number and like meta scores and that kind of thing. Um, but I feel like we, we've just we've just recommended just about every film on this list so far. I I well I mean it is the top two hundred and fifty yeah, yeah, yeah. movies of all time as. Uh, decided by the general populace so like nine times out of ten we're gonna be going yeah go watch this film again I'm calling it no more shit films no more no more no more shit films we're gonna recommend we're going to endorse every single film from (laughs) or I am going to endorse every single film from here on out uh fuck it nothing could be worse than Drisham man like (laughs) absolutely (laughs) nothing could be worse I give Hotel Rwanda a B (laughs) Um, we don't do rating systems here. I know. <laughs> Shut up. Also, that's very Chris Stockman. Um, that is very Chris Stockman. That's very yeah. Chris Stockman. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. We'll we'll hop over to Spoiler Town. We'll hop over there. Yeah. We'll uh, bloody um, skedaddle over to Spoiler Town. Zoinkies! <laughs> uh, first thing I picked up. Um, we haven't really talked too much about the cast, but. Uh, a re- very good cast. Um, wow, <laughs> Jonathan, where uh, a little behind the scenes, Jonathan and I have webcams so we can look at each other, and John just zoomed in his webcam extremely closely to his face. Oh fuck! <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> cast. Um, the cast. Uh, the it's a very good cast. Mm. Uh, Don Cheadle, um, Sophie Okonedo, and uh, the the big one that hit me, Nick. Fucking Nolte. He plays Four Leaf Tayback in um, Tropic Thunder. Oh. He's the the script the he's the book dude the the oh. dude who writes the book and he's got the hook hand but it's like it, he's a very funny character in Tropic Thunder. Okay, and I I couldn't remove the like the image of him being that character in my mind. So every time he came on and said words. I just, I imagined him, like, in Tropic Thunder, there's this scene where he, like, peels an apple with his hook, and then he, like, pretty bites down into it, and, like, it's all I can think about. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Nick Nolte, very good. 
John mm. Reno is the um, yes, uh, which was and um, Joaquin uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix, yeah, as well. He was very good. He was very, very good. like only there for about you know thirty minutes of the film, but fuck, he yeah, he earns his pay. Except for the, his literally his last line, I was like, but that's not his fault. That's fault of the script. But uh, it's when um. They're taking him out to the bus and, you know, he's he's got... There's a dude holding the umbrella over mm. him and he's like, you know, stop, go away. Like, you know, don't don't hold the umbrella over me. And he goes, Jesus, I'm so ashamed. And I'm like, come on, man. Writers, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to fucking do that. It was a pretty on-the-nose character. It was like... Yeah. You could kind of see the character they were trying to do, but on the other hand, it was completely undeveloped. Like, yeah. he just yeah. does some stuff, which... I don't know. I guess we can jump straight into, um, once again, two white boys watch mm. a film about Africa and comment on the use of the white saviour concept. <laughs> but I can unequivocally say it's pretty bad in this one. I think yes. yeah. there's... I, Yeah, there's five key white characters. There's the... Yep. Or sorry, there's four... Plus the uh, so sorry, sorry you've got Jean Reno's character who's the owner of the hotel. Yeah. You've got uh, Nick Nolte who's the colonel. You've got UN the yep. Red Cross lady. You've got yep. Madame Archer Jack Dalglish um, who's the yep. uh, cameraman, and then uh, the character who's not actually a white the- savior character, but he he's um, his audio guy, uh, his sound guy, who's also one of the journalists. They're all all portrayed as despite the film and you know the reality of the the genocide being everybody knew like worldwide and nobody did anything um they were it was just like bureaucracy tied it all up or whatever not to Mm. not to defend it but within that there are no like the the white characters that actually in there are all portrayed as flawless and all doing the right thing um it's 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 bizarre i don't know it's yeah i can i can definitely see where you're coming from i think yeah there is uh, yeah as you say like i they do seem rather um perfect but i think the the journalists are the ones that for me that are like the characters of um uh you know it's kind of where it's not that like we're helpless to you know we can't do anything for you mm. it's the the people above the station of where these guys are at are saying no so therefore they can't do anything yeah um the the big line for me was from Joaquin Phoenix where he says um uh you know uh uh, Recessa Begina is saying, you know, uh, you know, you've got the footage, you know, make sure that, you know, goes out. And, you know, how can people just stand by idly when they see all that carnage? Um, and then Joaquin's character says, you know, they'll probably just go, oh my God, that's horrible. And then just go back to eating their dinner. Yeah. And that still rings true. <laughs> so many things like that. But I think it's, it's, um, I think it's not so much that people go, oh my God, that's horrible, and then they ignore it. I think it's so much that people don't know how to help. Yeah. They they see that it's horrible, and either they're not in a... They're not in a f- uh, secure enough financial state to be able to lend aid in that respect, 
um, or perhaps even like volunteer work. They might be, you know, running flat off their ass, so they can't do any volunteer work to help aid the cause. Whatever it is, it's the the helplessness of not knowing how to help is the why they go back to eating their dinners. I think. Yeah, but- the 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 fault doesn't need to be put on the every man for for any mm. like a lot of these things. Which this yeah, it 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 sounds bad to say like that. Like there's nothing we can do, but there's a lot of things where it's like, yeah, as like an average citizen of a country, you you have no autonomy in these like worldwide problems because they're all being yeah, they're all being orchestrated by governments, people higher than you, <laughs> governments and people with lots of money, and you are neither of them. You're mm. just a peon, you know. Exactly. So yeah. um, yeah. that's not you know the problem is that the government's on you and. And it was all tied up in, you know, the UN were only allowed to use their firearms in self-defense. Um, it's it, Nothing could be done under the systems, but that doesn't make it right. Like Exactly. You can yeah. see, you can point to that and go... Maybe there's something wrong with the systems yeah. uh, fundamentally that are in place. Yeah. 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 Um, to, to let all of this slide and, you know, continue as it did. Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, sticking on the cast, uh, Don Cheadle, obviously superb. Um, I, uh, I've only known, I mean, this is terrible to say, but I only know Don Cheadle for his performances in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep. Um, and you know, he's, he's fine in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's, you know, nothing to write home about, but he does a reasonably good job as uh, his war machine, I think his character is. I believe so, yes. Um, uh, he gets introduced in like Iron Man two, doesn't he? Which yep. is the Ooh. <laughs> man. If ever we do like shittiest like films that do not deserve to be in the two fifty, Iron Man two straight on that list, baby boy. Um, uh, yeah, I I have a much greater respect for him as an actor, uh, mm. having seen him in this as a uh, it's it's a very complex character that he has to to play uh there's lots of you know he's constantly juggling all of these tight and tense situations and watching him do that is uh incredibly engaging and i think um from an audience yeah audience perspective you really that's where you were talking about like the tension comes from him juggling all of these unstable situations and going like oh god just please make it through (laughs) um uh and then i mean did you have anything on Don Cheadle? Yeah, I mean, Don Cheadle has, um, you know, he dri- he drives most of it is kind of the trick. Yeah. But he's, yeah. um, I really, really liked that scene after they um, they drive down the street, like over the bodies, and then he comes back oh, to the hotel God, and is yeah. getting changed. And it's just this and like he, oh. quiet, quiet scene of him like breaking down in the change room was really, really good. He, um, yeah, he's, a, you know, he can portray emotion well, which is very yeah, good for yeah. an actor. <laughs> Impor- especially important for this film mm. because you need to feel empathetic for these characters and these people. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, Don Cheadle definitely gets you to feel that, um, as well as the rest of the cast. Sophia Canedo, I think, does fucking phenomenal job in this film mm-hmm. um physicality wise she i mean i because i'm an actor i focus so much on people's acting techniques and shit like that um but just the the physicality of sophie okonedo is fantastic the way that uh when shit hits the fan and they all go to the hotel 
it, every single time you see her, it looks like she's been crying for like probably about an hour and a half right, before yeah. she's actually entered the scene. Um, her physicality and everything is so downtrodden and kind of her shoulders hunched, you know, um, eyes low. She never really like her eyes never really like go up to like meet anyone. She's always it's inward. Um, almost that like walking fetal position kind of, right. um, feeling, uh, uh, appearance and, uh, all again, all I know for, of Sofio Canido is a incredibly, uh, racially icky character in the sequel, uh, to Ace Ventura Pet Detective, Ace Ventura When Nature Calls. And, right. Uh, <laughs> That's why full, asked- full disclosure. Full disclosure. Uh, I did ask uh, Jonathan before we started the podcast here. Uh, I asked him whether he'd seen Ace Ventura when Nature calls, and I still think that we should watch it. We can do that because it's uh, it's probably one of my favorite fucking comedies. Uh, my my favorite guilty pleasure comedies of all time. It is unbelievably asinine. Like just probably the lowest humor you can possibly imagine but like jim carrey i don't know man he just sells it and uh yeah i only know sophie okonedo from that and i watched that film way too many times in my adolescence so i'm very familiar to sophie okonedo as a incredibly overblown you know stereotype of a character in a comedy film to then see her in this when she's breaking down crying just about every second scene, it's polarizing for me. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Um, yeah, her performance is incredible. Did you have anything on um, Sophie? No, I uh, I recognize that she was a good performance, basically. I think you I think you've said most of what I was gonna say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. She was yeah. incredible. The the scene on the roof was a big one for me mm. where um uh, you know they're having their the little, little romantic thing, and then <laughs> yeah, and then and then Paul's like, uh, "By the way, jump off the roof with the kids if they come for me." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking hell, dude! It's like God, <laughs> fuck. There's just like so yeah. many moments throughout that are just like it almost seems like the film's a bit more chilled out, and then like e- even before that, this film's like got this levity to it and it's nice and they're you know they're having a little date because you know there's just bullshit happening around them and the camera flips 180 degrees and there's just like bullets shooting through the air and like explosions and shit and it's just like oh what a view (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. oh yeah when they're sitting on the rooftop Mm. and there's yeah you know the dark night but there's fires and bullets flying around and oh god yeah oh it's fucking horrible Uh, it's it's disgusting um i think uh um the the film has very small glimmers of hope yeah and like the glimmers of hope are like there for literally just a second and then they're gone um and i think that's very interesting and i think that's why uh the film gets you as emotionally raw as it does because it doesn't have that much light and shade i don't think yeah it had very few comedy beats or anything pretty unrelenting pip you back up again it was just like bomb 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 just down 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 yeah um but i mean i guess there's only so much you can do if you want to correctly portray what was happening at the time um same thing with spotlight spotlight i don't think had any comedy beats um 
it uh, in order to portray those event real events as genuinely as you possibly mm. can it would almost seem disingenuous to have haha funny comedy moment when you know it probably didn't happen you know if it didn't happen what's its point in being there other than to stop the audience from falling into a pit when maybe that's the intention of yeah. the film i don't know that was a weird tangent that's all right. that just went off on there for about half a second there but um yeah, I don't know. What do you what do you think of that? I think the when you have a film like this where you want to keep it serious and you can't rely back on a comedy bit to kind of line everything up, you end up relying on just the bits where there's no active issues and everyone like everyone can take a deep breath in real life and in the film as well. Um, I I was thinking like Spotlight. Um, you feel a bit more chilled out in the scenes where they're kind of they're doing things or they're like working as a team or they're having little team meetings and stuff. I think that that's your kind of counter to the they've just found out another horrible thing is happening type deal. And I think... Um, it's the, the moments of stillness in yeah. Rwanda are the most important thing. Thinking on it more now, yeah. When they're, yeah, no active threat. Mm. That's interesting. And and it's not kind of betraying the feeling of the film where it's like, yeah, no, this is still still shit going on, but it's, mm. it gives you a second to just go, ah, okay. Yeah. Mm, mm. To go, fuck my life. Yeah. Fucking yeah. hell. Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, the film just goes fucking hard with like just showing you horrible shit. Like, Imagery. Uh, yeah. I think the first one I've got is... After, after they so after all the relatives have gone to Paul's house and then they find Roger, and then they start going to the hotel. Oh, with the with the military troop, and they all get in Paul's yep. van. Um, and there's just all the they're driving through the suburbs, and there's just like five dead bodies in the front yard of a house. In the front shit. yard, yeah. And you're just like yeah. ah. <laughs> Okay. It's the the stakes are so immediately high. Yeah. Like as soon as the it it sets the lay of the land of like and it gives you that base canvas of Hutu and then Tutsi and then it just like once it's laid that ground foundation, it sets the spark ablaze and the bonfire goes. Mm. Um and then yeah, the, the those stakes are just immediately so high. And, it, and the the I I found the I'm I mean it's real world event so you know can't really call it a uh, a writing choice or anything like that but the fact that um uh Sofia Canido's character and Don Cheadle's character were both of those different um yeah. ethnic groups is so interesting I really love that that kind of brought a a different flavor to. Uh, the, the it's some of the initial engagements with like the the army and stuff like that um it was really interesting to see how that was explored mm. and i liked that a lot mm. you know him being you know hutu woohoo and <laughs> paul's kind of like yeah woohoo yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like when yeah, he when, i really found that interesting when he talks to um i think it's no is george the is George the Hutu guy who works at the hotel or is he the guy that he buys supplies off of? 
That's... Uh, no, George. Yeah, George is the guy who works at the hotel. It's a different guy who he buys uh, the is... supplies off of. He's like the gorilla, like lieutenant yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, that he buys the supplies off of. But yeah, he um, how he goes like, yeah, I'm gonna take George with me because we're like the two Hutu guys from the hotel, and we're not gonna like actively cause trouble going into that. Yeah, I, I, I it's 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 this. Once again, it's a real life thing, but you look at it and go like. That will, that is a good writing choice. Yeah, based yeah. On... It's so fucked because, like, you know, it's not a writing choice. Exactly. It's real life. That's what happened. Yeah. But it just works, mm. you know. And that's yeah. Again, this stuff leaps off the pages. It's very um. Uh, it it lends itself to the screen so well. Um, talking about the supplier, I think I mentioned it before. The scene where he's like oh, you know, we know you have all these Tootsie people at this hotel and... and you... The cockroaches. I hate how oh. they keep calling them cockroaches. Like, that was the, the key term that they called them. But it's... Uh, sorry to... Just no, 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 go ahead. Completely stamp on your point it just because <laughs> that came up in my mind. Um, yeah, the like, it it's such a good... Um, what is it? It's not a metaphor, is it? It's a... Uh, like a simile, I that... guess. Yeah, I guess. yeah. For the for the Tootsie people, like it's it works so well for their agenda. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. Because cockroaches hide in buildings. Cockroaches hide underground. Cockroaches generally hide. Um, and yeah, that like ties into their agenda so fucking well. It yeah, and it really carries through that um, the the hatred that they have. Yeah. It's yeah. Mm. It's uh yeah, it's gross. <laughs> mm, and then he mm. and then that that scene directly afterwards where he goes, "Oh, take take this road. There aren't any guards there." And then it's just like littered with dead bodies and you're like with bodies. Like I I I, I don't want to look at more content to see how accurate this is because mm, it's already mm. so depressing. But it's the kind yeah. of thing where you go cuz um I believe Paul has a book uh, and there's also a documentary about the genocide, or a couple of them, um, right. that or that that people recommended because they don't have that kind of white savior bent to them. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, they. I, I wonder how close that is because, like, that's another. That's like a. That's a movie moment. You know. They absolutely. They're yeah. moving through the mist, and they're like, "Oh, what is that?" And then. And the roads, the road is all bumpy, and you know, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the van's rocking around, and then he's like, you know, you're gonna plummet us into the river, and I'm like, whoa, bumpy road. Yeah. <laughs> and the fog clears, and you're like, bumpy road. Oh, no. <laughs> I oh yeah, it's just I, I I guess there's not much need to talk about those moments too much, but they hit yeah, you. Yeah, I, I they hit but, you with a uh, lot of them. This is coming back to uh, the point that I made at the beginning where I said the cinematography is not very um, mind-blowing, mm. but having said that, that, that image is very striking, um, as well as the, the other image. Why are they about corpses, Douglas? I don't know. Um, the, the image of the corpses in the front yard um, towards yeah. the beginning, that's a very powerful image because it's just so fast. You, know, you're, you get the POV of them in the van driving past. Um, and it's just like you get that glimpse of the corpses in the front yard and before you can really uh, properly soak up that image, it's gone. Um, it's, yeah, that's very powerful stuff. Mm. 
Oh, the other one was the one in the rain. The one in the rain where they're all uh, they're all huddling underneath the the like the porch of the hotel, and then Don Cheadle is standing out in the rain. Ah, um, when's when? When uh, I don't remember that one. When the 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 nuns and the oh. you know the uh, father have come in, and then they're like, "You got to take the kids," and then they're like, "We can't take the kids," and then they have that those two lines where they segregate. Yes, you know the one line going into the hotel, and then the other line going into the bus. Um, uh, they pan across both. Yes, across the the people in the in the bus who are, you know, on a gradient of looking worried and horrified to looking indifferent and then just like swapping to the the they pan across the people at the hotel looking like stony faced and helpless it's mm. it's rough. some people had their cameras out in the bus that sh- yeah. that shit i was like whoa tea aye, 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 aye. <laughs> um the convoy scene the convoy that mm. goes wrong type scene oh god <laughs> that that was like an amazing use of tension and they they use like a lot of really frantic like close shots and cut like constant cutting and stuff to really kind of amplify that that was that was a lot Douglas has his hand on his forehead (laughs) (laughs) I might look incredibly just Just like uh, I'm just I just keep on thinking of the logistics of it from a filmmaking perspective. The amount of extras that they would have had mm. and, you know, the you've got to convey so many different moving pieces and cogs in that machine in that scene where first you've got the UN coming out of the, the truck and, you know, they're at the back of the truck and they're trying to, you know, like, stay the fuck away. We can't shoot you. So all we can do is shoot up in the air or shoot at the ground. Mm. Um, and then uh, you get the military coming in and then that adds another fucking force into what is already happening. And it's just the simmering kettle, simmering kettle. And then that one um, trooper gets shot. And then, you know, it's just like a fucking powder keg. It all just goes boom. And then, yeah. Oh, it's so frantic. I can't even, yeah. Just the, the logistics behind directing that is fucked. I mentioned before when I was reading through my notes before we started recording that uh, I was pinpointing all these spots where I'm like, the the note is a, like basically me going oh I don't like this and then knowing <laughs> now that I watched the film knowing like something bad happened directly after that something after bad it. happened directly after that <laughs> I have here convoy is getting a lot of attention and I'm worried <laughs> <laughs> for me it was um uh my my consistent note was um uh fuck i would start a note with fuck (laughs) i i um, like a fuck roger on the table and oh fuck it hits the shit hits the fans so fast um nick nolte um i think we did talk that much about his acting but i i really really liked uh, a lot of the stuff so there's the first one with him having that that fight uh, with the other, I think the other military officials, that's like, yep. it's kind of, you know, out of earshot. And he like throws his hat on the ground and stuff. Mm. Um, and he has the, <laughs> the, the, the chat with Paul about how, like, we can't do anything about you, nobody cares type thing. Brings out the N-word in that one, which... Yes, um, hard R. Which I was, I was like, like woo Okay, I, I, the impl- Nicky boy. The implication there was that he's like, you're not African American, so you don't even have that going for you. But still, it was like, whoa, and yeah. And by the way, that was said. I feel it's got to be uh, a re- repetition of what? Oh, he's not a real character though. 
So he's a combination of a couple of different characters, right. I think. From of characters, you know, people. Um, Battle of Algiers style. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, he's the assembly of yeah a couple of different real life people. I found a bit of trivia on that. Do you want me to give you that just for the sake of while we're talking about it? Sure. Um, Nick Nolte's character Colonel Oliver is modelled in part on Lieutenant General Romeo Dallaire, the Canadian commanding officer of the UN peacekeeping mission in that country who attempted to interfere with the Rwandan genocide despite his superior's indifference to the uh, atrocity. Dallaire was also the subject of Sundance Audience Award documentary Shake Hands with the Devil, The Journey of Romeo Dallaire in 2004, and witnessed such horrible acts in Rwanda that he later suffered severe post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, imagine. Other than Oliver, there was another fictionalised character, Jake Daglish, uh, Jack Daglish, my apologies, apologies, who is based off of the Polish photojournalist Stefan Steck, who recorded the Gakondo Massacre. Right, okay. Gnarly. So, hmm. Um, but it says it says modelled in part, so it sounds like there were you know other, uh, uh, I would say, you know forces and commanding officers and things like that that uh, Nick Nolte's character would have been, you know, kind of assembled together from, which is yeah it's, interesting. It's interesting how films like this seem to avoid um, portraying certain characters as their real selves, even if they're not. I don't see why they wouldn't just have the original videographer. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he wasn't there. Maybe he was in another yeah. part of the country. Mm. Um, it's interesting. It, yeah, that's interesting because yeah, uh, you know, Paul Recessa Begina and you know the rest of them are all you know they are them. They the real do, people. I think. You know. I think Paul's mm. still alive. Um, I believe he is. Uh, which rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. God. But yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm looking it up right now. Um, no, go for it. He is very much still alive. 66. Oh, wow. Uh, he's a humanitarian right, now. So he would have... 66. So he would have been in his 40s, early 40s when it went down, right? Something like that. Yeah. Mm. Um, wow. Fuck. So he... Um, yeah, I guess, I guess going back to Paul, there's also the scene where... Um, uh, oh, before that convoy, the convoy that goes wrong where he just looked like haggard and he's he just looks tired and like beaten and like he he's he can't go on but he needs to keep going on because he knows what the stakes are i i thought that he does a lot with the way that he kind of portrays himself his expressions Mm. and uh ways being held i guess that that really communicated a lot uh, before before he says anything he basically says you know hi i'm fucked and i've i've had a fucking bad time but you know it before he he opens his mouth so there's yeah, you know absolutely a lot to be said for the character and i think um the red cross girl whose name i've forgotten madam archer um madam archer. forget her first pat name, archer but, uh, pat archer that's it um that's the same thing she's she's constantly She's being driven by this need to help people, but she's just, she's Tired. like, I, I don't know what more I can do type thing. That's, that was really, really it's, good. Yeah. It's a, uh, I would say a very good, I would assume direction on Terry George's part. And then as well as uh, the leading cast is you really do see that, um, the progression of them getting more and more tired and just, you know, I, my body is really struggling to keep fighting, but I I have to keep fighting, you know? 
it's the all of the actors do a really good job of portraying that and uh there's the don Cheadle towards the end he's, he's getting like a little bit of five o'clock shadow yeah. growing you know when they're they're running out of water they're taking the water out of the pool because that's i, I love that supply. as a as a way to kind of show how desperate they are because they 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 have that first cut of them taking water out and him going like what's going on we don't have any water what, anymore what the and then the yeah. next scene the pool's like half depleted and they're having to use a rope to get it out i thought that was really really mm. clever to show like the progression of time that was quite smart yeah sorry yeah definitely nah and um yeah they all look like you know obviously by that point they can't have a shower so they all look incredibly like sweaty and just yeah a, a mess mm. um sophie okonedo's hair just looks fucking insane <laughs> it's like a frizzy bloody puffball <laughs> i loved um uh like the the setup payoff things as well i super loved the one right at the start where he's in the um in the van with du- Dubé, uh dubai 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 yeah um and he's describing saying like you give 10,000 francs to someone or you can buy them a 10,000 franc cigar and like that's worth so much more that's classy style um and then he immediately does it and the guy's like yeah. that's style or like something very very close to what he said i thought that was extremely clever i like that a lot um yeah yeah. yeah yeah there aren't too many of those moments but when they yeah when they they had that and the pool i just i adored them they were very very clever yep yep sets up sets up the hotel and then paul recessa began as a character very swiftly um as well as the the tension between the hutu and the tutsi like it it doesn't fuck around it really sets that um yeah the foundation very very early with mm. that initial um hutu rally thing that they have and you know they have to yeah. pull over for it and then dubai is just like you know keep your head down you know fucking don't don't say anything and then uh, because the the dealer dude supplier gave him that hutu shirt um yeah he you gets know, away when with they it. come over and they're like you tootsie you tootsie and then he's like no hutu hutu power um yeah that was like whoa god yeah it yeah Sets that shit so very, very well. Fucking hell. And yeah, as you said, set up and pay off. Mm. Very, very nice. Mm. Um, that reminds me. Kind of, yeah, visual-wise, we've we've mentioned it's not... Mm. It's not... Um, you know, there's no incredible visual things, which I think there needs to be for a film like this. There's a lot of kind of fun colour to, to, to where it's reasonable. And then there's other things where things are like drab and miserable. Um... Uh, and there's an excellent kind of feeling of movement and stuff. They have so many fucking extras. And even before all the shit goes down, the early on scenes where he's driving the van uh, through these crowds of people and things like that, there's there's just so much energy to everything that's kind of going around them. The sets are built really well, like the... Um, the, uh, the storehouse that the yes. supply guy mm-hmm. has looks like so legit i yeah i mm. think it was it was the visuals were nothing that like i was ever really questioning i guess throughout yeah yeah which is a good Bang on it which is perfect it's you know yeah exactly there's a couple of very nice striking images but then yeah across the board i was just like cinematography yeah it does the job and then same with the score you know score is uh, swells when it needs to swell and then <laughs> hushes the fuck up when it needs to hush the fuck up you know it doesn't do again nothing uh mind-blowing i love i think 
there were some moments where I wouldn't have minded the absence of score. I mm-hmm. think it could have been more powerful. I like it when directors do that, when they decide to, you know, moments where your brain would go, oh, yeah, score, big time. Mm. Uh, I like it when directors go, no score. You know, just let the scene do its thing and let the the uh, diegetic sound do what it needs to do. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like the, there were some moments where it could have been. There's music in yeah. the in the dark when he's going through his house when the lights roll out. Um, there was some kind of... I wrote down Zimmery music. Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Hans Zimmer mm-hmm. does not write the score for this film. <laughs> no, unfortunately. But there was, there was a bit of that vibe throughout. Um, and that, yeah, that would have yep. been a scene that would be perfect to have completely silent. Um, I think the... I think the Road with the Body scene doesn't have any music. Or if it does, it shouldn't have. I feel like it has like a sting or something Maybe. like that. But Maybe. I liked how when he's going home and shit's beginning to hit the fan, there's like this weird chanting music on the on the radio. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I don't know what the intention with that was, but I thought it was uh, it's neat, giving yeah. you the energy. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. Yeah, Douglas is looking at his screen as if he's trying to find a piece uh, of information. No, I'm. I'm just. Uh, I was on IMDb. It says it was. Um, the music was composed by three different people. Um, and it, that stands true over on um, Letterboxd. So I'm assuming that there were different styles of music that mm. were composed by um, these gentlemen. We have Rupert Gregson-Williams, uh, Martin Russell, and Andrea uh, Gatta. Uh, Rupert Gregson-Williams is known for composing music for uh, such classics <laughs> as... Uh-huh. Over the Hedge. Yeah! (laughs) B-movie. Aquaman. I'm seeing a trend here. Wonder Woman. And Hacksaw Ridge. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Never mind, there's no theme. That is the most range I've ever heard. Absolutely no theme. This man is just zip-zop zapping all over the bloody shop. All over the shop, far out. God, I wonder what his... I haven't seen the B-movie in the longest goddamn time. I wonder what his soundtrack was like for the B-movie. But, like, Wonder Woman's soundtrack is fucking baller. So, huh. How weird. Hmm. Hmm. It's... Anyway. It was fine. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think we say that more than... I think I still feel like I've got to keep better attention to... Pay better attention to the music. I've I've started watching all of the 250 films on a TV and since I've started watching them on a TV I have been I think tuning less into the soundtrack more than when I've been listening to them with headphones which Interesting. is you know, natural the sound is closer to your ears when you have headphones on um so it's it's easier to hear more of those less tiny stuff details, is lost through bouncing around your you know exactly. living room exactly bouncing through yeah my living room um yeah when it's when it's on tv i feel like yeah i I tune in a little bit less to some of those finer details but um still you know i i'd like to think that i have a reasonably okay ear and i will you know give credit where credit is due but rupert you did fine you did fine hotel rwanda it's nothing nothing to write home about you like jazz (laughs) (laughs) 
um, that's funny. We've done a little swap because I was watching mine exclusively on the TV and you were watching it exclusively at your computer and now we're doing the opposite, Correct. it appears. Oh, really? Are you, are you on I, your computer now? For I finally them? got the shits with my TV. My TV is 10 years old. Maybe? Oh yeah, is it's it, old. Are, are you still on? Are you still on the LG? Yeah, um, oh, it was. It's one. a. It's a widescreen, but one that still has like a butt on it. Um, mm. So it's not great, and it's it's mm. uh, so, some part of the electronics has developed an extremely annoying whine, and Ooh. I don't like. I don't like sitting in the little study with that whining fucking TV. But I also <laughs> don't want to buy a new one. So yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that <laughs> so? Well, that's fair enough. We're, one of us is getting the big TV experience, and one of us is getting the analytical well, computer headphones experience instead. I wouldn't say mine is a big screen TV experience. It's it's you know it's not that huge. It's only like I don't know twenty four inch. It's or bigger something than like that. I don't but. think it's twenty four inch. The fucking computer monitor is twenty three, isn't it? Oh really? Yeah. Oh okay, forty it's, forty something inch. It's bigger than my TV though, right? Oh, mm, I don't know. Maybe I have to. I have to uh, see your TV. I to, guess to. I guess you to do. make a comment, Douglas. Um, Douglas, well, I guess you should come over and 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 hang out in my state sometime. Imagine if that oh. were to happen. Whoa! Wouldn't that be Whoa. crazy? Ba ba ba! And on that note, Douglas, do you have any trivia for us? <laughs> I do have some trivia for you. Not too many. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of the trivia for these types of films is literally just like, this happened in the real thing. <laughs> um, uh, but there is some stuff that is relevant to the uh, actual context of the film. Uh, this film was originally given an R rating, restricted, no one under 17, without a parent or gun, by the MPAA. But upon appeal by the producers, the film was re-rated as PG-13, one of very few films that have ever been re-rated without additional editing. Interest. That's a jump from mm. R to PG. Exactly. How or- the fuck? <laughs> it is PG. It is PG thirteen. So thirteen. Mm. So because I think in Australia there's not PG doesn't actually have a an age restriction. No, attached to like it. You've got MA fifteen. I don't think M even has an age restriction can, to it. No, 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 no. So. M doesn't have an age restriction. So, yeah, anyone, any age could go to M. Just like, you know, the warning. That it's a little fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Not too fucked up. Won't, won't ruin your life. But <laughs> There's mature and things. And MA is... Mm-hmm. MA is like, you've got to be old enough. And then R is like, oh, boy. Being being an adult and, like, those age restrictions no longer applying to you in any capacity is, like, yeah. very weird to think about now. That's odd. <laughs> totally, yeah. I yeah. remember I you, remember like, look would... at... You're in high school and you're like, an R-rated film. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you go, wow. Yeah. Or even for me, like, an MA, I was always like, whoa, yeah. this is real shit. <laughs> and now we're just like, an R-rated film. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, director Terry George had Don Cheadle in mind for the lead part from the beginning of his involvement. During pre-production, potential investors and interested studios wanted Denzel Washington, Wesley Snipes, McKee Pfeiffer, and even Will Smith because of their suggested bigger drawing capacity at the box office. But due to ultimately producing the film independently and coming up with the money himself, George was able to go back to his original choice. Oh, Will Smith. Yeah, can you imagine Will Smith in Hotel Rwanda? Like Denzel Washington, nah. maybe. We'll yeah, Denzel. Denzel's a maybe. Wesley as well. I think he's a is a maybe. Mm. 
I don't know who um, Will Smith. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Wesley Snipes is uh, Blade for for your. Yeah, um, I Don Cheadle uh, really fits that character. He's this. He does. He looks like a businessman. Mm. He doesn't look like an action hero. Mm. Oh, McKee Pfeiffer was a, a, a very lead character uh, or recurring character in uh, ER. Ah. Gregory Pat for seven years. Interesting. So, there you go. And he was in uh, Dawn of the Dead as well. Interesting. Actor Jason Saldana was, uh, has stated that when Netflix had its DVD by mail service, he rented Hotel Rwanda for so long that it cost him $135. Jeez. <laughs> Bloody Jason Saldana was uh, very much into it. Uh, Jason Saldana uh, is um, uh, with Rooster Teeth, uh, is known for um, voicing characters in the Red vs. Blue series. I hate that I know what you're talking about. As well as uh, additional voices for Halo 3. Interesting. <laughs> I thought he'd have some kind of direct connection to some, the film. Yeah, yeah, some more kind of gravitas, but, you know, it's whatever. This is that B-quality nice little... trivia that we get from this kind of film. Well, you know, Hotel Rwanda doesn't have that much trivia, so you no. got to take whatever you can get. Anyone who's got maybe, like, five credits on IMDb, they said they've got something, you know, reasonably relevant to say about Hotel Rwanda. You whack that on the trivia, baby! Baby! That's a trivia note for you! Hey! The screenwriter spent one year writing the first draft of the script. During the process, he called the Rwandan embassy in D.C., and the woman who picked up the phone was a survivor who stayed at the Mills Collier's Hotel. Wow. That's crazy. Fucking coinkydink. Yeah, what are the chances? I think not. (laughs) (laughs) I always think of, uh, who's it, the the teacher from The Incredibles. Yeah, from The Incredibles, yeah. I think not. <laughs> and he's wide eyes. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, so good. How do you say it? Millie's Mies Mies Collines Mills Collins. Sure. <laughs> Mills Miles Collins. Miles Collins. Uh, <laughs> it was later revealed by one of the survivors of the hotel. Uh, forgive me, Pasa Mueneganuche. Uh-huh. That Paul that Paul Recessa Begina was not as heroic as he was depicted to be. Right. The people who sought shelter at his hotel were made to pay for their stay with priorities given to the wealthier people. The backlash was so bad that Recessa Begina was pressured into cancelling an appearance at a Canadian festival by members of Toronto's Rwandan community who accused him of being, quote, genocide revisionist and denier. Wow. The head of the UN's peacekeeping force in Rwanda at the time, Canadian Romeo Dallaire, who we addressed earlier, addressed the controversy by simply calling the movie, quote, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Despite all the allegations, Paul Rosessa-Begina has stood by the movie and denied all claims of any wrongdoing on his part. Mm. Mm. Well, I don't know what to feel now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Mm. General Augustine Bisamungu was sentenced on the 17th of May 2011 to 30 years in prison for his part in the genocide. 30? Come on. Yeah, we could probably go lifetime, but you know what? Mm. Yeah. The real Paul Recessa-Begina and Tatiana Recessa-Begina returned to Rwanda with director Terry George for research. Many people came to welcome them at the airport. Interesting. Interesting. That's nice. Well, 
I guess, you know, they're, they're, they're celebrities, I suppose. You know, yeah. Whatever. And that's all the trivia I had. Um, it's yeah, interesting that 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 tidbit about the one of the survivors giving an ugh, giving an account on um uh Paul Recessor Beginner's actual uh his how genuine that was is very interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, it kind of adds another layer of mm, thought. It's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, mm, mm. But the the notion that he wasn't as sweet as Don Cheadle is. <laughs> Can anyone be as sweet as Don Cheadle? Yeah, I don't think real. so. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> what's the What's the um from Infernal Affairs? Who Who will the uh, uh, Don Cheadle is the <laughs> Oh, the Andy and the Andrew? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, that's it. Andy and Andrew. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's unfortunately uh, an Andrew. Who Don Cheadle? Yeah. No, Don Cheadle's an Andy. Yeah, Don Cheadle's an Andy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, wait, who's the Andrew? Oh, Paul Recessor Begina is an Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> the real Paul Recessor I think Begina. I'm under, I'm in no place to critique Paul True. <laughs> in any way. True, yeah, yeah. We were fucking there. We can't, yeah, we're, we're working off of hearsay. So, mm. yeah. So. We can't mm. make any judgment. Uh, well, uh, 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 our episodes release weekly. Um, <laughs> you just jump straight into it. <laughs> it was a good segue, wasn't it? Um, our episodes uh, release weekly every Tuesday oh, at right. yeah, midnight right. Eastern Standard Time, uh, yeah. Australian Eastern Standard Time, which comes out to about 2 p.m. on a Monday, Greenwich Mean Time, 10 a.m. on a Monday, Eastern Daylight Time, and 7 a.m. Monday, Pacific Daylight Time. Uh, if you want to contact us directly, you can email us at two, sorry, you can email us at mail at 250.com. Um, and you can also check out our Instagram at 250pod. Uh, that is T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H-P-O-D. No spaces. Spaces are for wieners. <laughs> spaces are for girls and Italians. <laughs> That's from uh, One Man, Two Governors. Very good uh, British play. Would highly recommend. <laughs> um, <it's>, uh, uh, <laughs> first names are for girls and Italians. <laughs> uh have we gotten any mail yet at the mail at two five zero dot com? A little bit, a little bit. Really? I From so. listeners? We'll check it after the episode. Well, okay, fucking leave them on the edge of their <laughs> seat. Why don't we? We're gonna we're gonna address the address the audience. We'll I do it when I'm prepared, Douglas. Oh God, fuck my life! Please tell the nice um, listeners where they can listen to us. <laughs> You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer Podcasts, Addict Podcasts, Google Home, and Amazon Echo, where the good podcasts are sold. I can't believe you haven't done this. <laughs> what? Done the, uh, the... The mail. You haven't looked at the, the mail. mail. Fuck! <laughs> Hello. We also have personal letterbox accounts. Letterbox is a website where you can uh, categ- categ- categorize? No. You can write down little... Uh, if you've watched a film and you go, hey, I want to talk about this film. I want to see what other people have had to say about this film. You can write it in a little diary in letterbox.com. That's letterbox without an E. That's like B-O-X-D uh, dot com. Jonathan has a profile on there, which is U-U-U-P-A-H. And Douglas, <laughs> we've done this all wrong, is I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T. That's Ienzo Knight. Uh... I write longer or just more more condensed reviews of what we talk about here on the 250 as well as anything else I've got to talk about 
Um, and Jonathan here writes haikus whenever he's bloody ready to do it. Um, I've done. Uh, I did like four of them this week. You did. You yeah. did. I'm very proud. Uh, the the Monsters Inc. one was very good. Um, I uh, I've in uh, preparation for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, which is coming up over here on the two five zero. I have been watching the Harry Potter franchise, and I've been categorizing my thoughts on them uh, on Letterboxd. So if you'd like to. Uh, have a little bit of a squeezy as to my thoughts on the general franchise. You can always go and check that out there. Uh, and one last little uh, tidbit. Uh, shout out to the Trailer Island podcast. Uh, it is uh, run by one of my very good friends, um, as well as uh, two other uh, very nice gentlemen. Uh, the uh, premise of their podcast is, are the trailers... Uh, do, does the film hold up to the premise of the trailer, uh, basically. So is the trailer, you know, ah. does it deliver on the trailer? Um, and uh, they had me on for Hamilton. Uh, and, of course, because I'm a Hamilton uh, fanatic. Uh, what, did they, what did they call me? It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, wasn't fanboy. They ha- it was like power fan or something like wow. that. That was the, the terminology that uh, they gave me, which, I mean, you know fair fucking cop i listened to it all the way like through like 17 times i can sing every single part i bought the fucking the original biography and read it i bought the like the the hamilton bible i bought tickets to the opening night of hamilton when it comes to sydney australia you know it's, it's fair enough go check out the trailer island uh podcast uh wherever good podcasts are sold you can find trailer island very good bunch of people hmm Sorry, I have been completely uh, unresponsive because I have been. Che- I did just check our email. Um, uh-huh. I, we got uh, one that it's gotten buried under a bunch of fucking garbage from our, <laughs> from Google and Twitter and our fucking uh, podcast um, service uh, and shit. Service, yeah. Yeah, we got an email from Hrithik. Uh, Hrithik, that's bad. That's wrong. Hrithik. Yeah. Um, talking about Drisham, and uh, it was oh, not. Wow. It was not a defense of the film. Uh, necessarily um, but he was explaining the concept of um, the Malayalam is technically not um, a, sorry, sorry it's, it's, it's the area it was made in means it's actually technically not a Bollywood film which is quite interesting oh, to okay. hear about interesting um, yeah um, I think he mentions the kind of the budget. I think we may have complained about that, and um, I'd, I think, I think we kind of understood. Um, you know, it's not anywhere near as big of an industry. I think if we came off mm. uh, kind of negative about the quote unquote amateurish look of the film, I do apologize. The, the production quality of the film, yeah, it's it's you know, and it's it's also oh, it's just such a nightmare because you don't want to sound like up your own fucking ass about this like yeah oh it's india yeah. it's low budget which is totally not true yeah and they're, yeah you know. no people fucking there's a lot of very well budgeted films that come out of india um yeah like um uh, i mean you know we've already as you explain uh the horrific has explained uh it's not necessarily a bollywood film but bollywood itself produces a lot they fucking they pump a lot of money into their film industry and they whack mm. out like movie musicals and shit like that like it's going out of style so yeah hmm. um he says he actually does recommend the hindi remake 
of Trishyam. Oh, he says okay. it cuts out some of the, the the parts that we found a bit um, whatever. <laughs> Subpar. Uh, the child beating part, for example, is not in the remake. Uh-huh. Good. Uh huh. Um, and he um, he's talking about um, uh, the highest grossing film in India is not a Bollywood film. It's the South Indian oh, film wow. called. Oh, from the South Indian film industry called Tollywood, uh, which produces movies for two states in the two uh, Telugu language. The film is called wow. Bahubali 2, The Conclusion. Uh, interesting. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. Fuck it. Why haven't you checked the mail sooner, John? Shit. <laughs> I'm looking to my phone, so I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to filter out all the Google garbage because it, got, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. just got squished. I got did not buried. See when, when was that sent? In June. <laughs> Oh my god! I feel really bad. I'm really sorry if you're listening. They were probably so excited for us to yeah. read it. They were like, "Oh, they're going to read it on the next episode." I'm so <sighs> excited to hear what they have to say. Well, cool. God damn it! <laughs> well, I might. Um, so I am in an extremely, I'm on an extremely heavy workload right now. So I will not be watching the. I won't be watching the remake in the next. F- Four-ish weeks for reasons that will become available on a special little episode that we're going to do. Um, ooh. Ooh. Uh, but um, I will watch it. I will watch it at some yeah. point. Mm. Yeah, I think I will too. Because I, uh, I, we, uh, was was a very passionate discussion the Drishyam episode because like there was a part of me that wanted that film to be good. Mm. Like it, it, yeah. We, we there's a there's a we really the discussion. This is a really good email. This is like really in depth. Like there's a lot it's, of stuff going on. Thank Hrithik H. Is it start H? Starts Rithic? with an H. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, uh, thank you. For, thank you for writing in. Thank we you really so appreciate much. you. Uh, yeah, tuning in, uh, tuning in, and uh, giving us that feedback and uh, giving us some more insight. We do because mm. there is so much foreign film that we're covering here in the two five zero. I've been uh, looking over the statistics. We are reaching out across the world to uh, all kinds of different nationalities and. Um, locales around the world so uh yeah incredible really cool yeah thank yeah. you thank you so much um we we'll be better it. with it <laughs> there's been yeah. some like yeah there's just been some like crap messages in here that have kind of gone lost but but this mm. is definitely the first like really good one that, and i wish we could talk more about that but yeah this is really interesting Either way. <laughs> anyway mm. thank That's, you so no, much for th- emailing uh, yeah, that's really good. And yeah, as I said, feel free to uh, send us more emails. Well, yeah, now that <laughs> now that we're actually fucking on top of it, what thirty five episodes in? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep we'll in touch. Ma- on we'll make the the mail corner, the two five zero mail corner. Oh yeah, mm, that's nice. I like yeah. that. Mm, I, I would nice. I would really like to you know interacting with the fans is wonderful. I'm yeah, yeah, big fan we of like that interacting with audience. Audience interaction, very nice. Hmm. Well, uh, any closing remarks? Um, Scott Pilgrim next week. Very excited. We're going to have a... We were going to... Because one of our favourite films, we were going to push this way back to the end. But um, first and foremost, we'll we'll see if we even fucking get there. We'll see. (laughs) Secondly, um, the 10-year anniversary was a week ago, two weeks ago. Very recently. Two weeks ago now. 10-year anniversary of Scott Pilgrim. So we're going to have a little... Uh, we're going to have our own. That's our bonus for the for the five weeks. And we're going to bring in a guest star, guest yeah. host. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that I'm very excited about that. I'm so, I'm just so excited about this email. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so very, very about excited this. to awesome. have a platform to talk about Scott Pilgrim on. Uh, 
it, it it is well documented on uh, Letterboxd and in real life. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is my favorite movie of all time. So, mm. uh, I mean, it's yeah, it's gonna it'll, it'll be a good one. So look forward to it. It's in my it's in my top it's in my top five. I like Ooh, it a lot. Wow, there you go. Which mm. is which is becoming a much more and more high praise the more films we watch. So yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, the more films you get under the belt. Mm. Yeah, I am more competition. Yeah, we're we're pretty um, unapolog- unapologetically Edgar Wright fanboys. Yeah. <laughs> fucking although, fans. Yeah. Although I did see some stuff apparently, um, uh, the from all the actors, like the main actors in Baby Driver, apparently the only one who has not had some kind of sexual assault allegations in the recent couple of years is the girlfriend character whose name I forget. Oh no! <laughs> saw a video. Wait, from from Edgar or um, or no, like just just in general, not even necessarily related to the film, just like oh. um, all those. Oh right, yeah, fuck Kevin Spacey, yeah. Oh god, oh. Jamie Jamie Fox apparently. <laughs> Jamie Fox. I yep. saw a video of someone who had they had their Baby Driver poster on the wall, and they've just like put tape over the faces of everyone except for the, what's a I. <laughs> I, she, she What's does, her name? What's her name? She's, yeah, a, yeah. she's a gem. I've seen her in a couple of other things as well. Um, um, she is. She's a very good actress. Uh, Lily James. Lily James. Congratulations uh-huh. on being the only headlining actor, the only poster actor who's not an absolute piece of shit, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Congratulations on being a good person. Um, she's very good in uh, Sorry to Bother You. Um, okay, interesting. Sorry to bother you. Is uh, really good because uh, it's got Lakeith Stanfield as well, hmm. and I I fucking I froth over Lakeith Stanfield and Tessa Thompson is also in that as well. So interesting. Mm. Very uh, would recommend. Uh, well, thank you for tuning into the two five zero. A very uh, long winded uh, tangent filled episode of mm-hmm. the two five zero, and as always, we look forward to seeing you again real soon. Mm. Be good. Uh, Hrithik. Email us again and tell us how to pronounce your name so we're not fucking up. (laughs) (laughs) We feel bad. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Thanks, everybody. We will see you you. real soon. I think you already said that. We'll see you real soon. Mm